Welcome to Blacklisted Remarks. My name is Nick Stumphauser. I am still Spencer Field. And today we are foraying more deeply into the realm of unqualified opinion. More so than normal. I feel like it's a typical thing that we do, but today we decided that we don't. T- we haven't gone deep enough. We haven't gotten sued, or no one has like jumped off a cliff because of what we said. So we thought it was time to yeah. like rack it up another right. latch. If if our opinions on things like abortion, whether or not you should kill yourself because life is meaningless, uh, hasn't already perturbed you enough, I think today we'll probably do the trick. Our real goal in this is this conversation is we're trying to get press and hate mail. Yes. So if we don't get hate mail from this, we're, we feel like we've underperformed. Please send us death threats. We want to feel important and valued in this life because everything is meaningless. I wake up every morning to death threats I tape above my, my yeah. bed, which is actually a hammock. So I can just feel inspired that I'm actually changing the world a little bit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, now that we are sufficiently bolstered in this endeavor here. No, hold on. I need to take another cup of drink of coffee before I'm bolstered. Okay, duly bolstered. All right, he's bolstered now. Uh, what are we talking about today, Spencer? I think that, so listeners, this topic has been an on, it took us quite a bit of time to decide what we were going to talk about, and it'll take us less time to actually talk about it. Uh, Nick and I have over the last several years, and, and at least for myself more so recently, come to the realization that finding a foundational belief for something is a very difficult thing to do without an external reality to reference um, in a particular way. And there's not a really, to my knowledge, a clean way to phrase what we're talking about. We're talking about the topic of blank. But I think in one sentence, we're talking about what to do when you don't have a foundation and that lack of foundation leads to a lack of functionalism. And how do you create an artificially functional structure where none truly exists? Spencer, that is a great way to put it. And I think all seven of our listeners have no idea what you're talking about. Do you Shocker! Think, you think you would be able to give us a practical anecdote for perhaps a belief? Uh, practical anecdote? Absolutely not. Anecdote, no? certainly. All right. Well, just, just maybe a life experience that you're aware of, a belief that doesn't have a foundation that you choose to believe anyway, or, or a friend. Maybe you're talking about somebody that you know. Sure. I'll relate a, a bit of a conversation I held last night. Uh, and this conversation regar- regarded properly basic beliefs, which is one of my new, not new, one of my ongoing conversations I have with people. And we were talking about the belief in other minds so that I may know that my mind may or not may not exist, but we'll skip that for now. Let's just assume that I think that I exist. The question is now, are the individuals around me actually individuals which possess a mind? And there's no way to empirically verify that. However, if I think that everybody around me is a government robot sent to like run an experiment, or I think that I live in the matrix and that everybody is just a computer program running around me, the functional way that I live my life starts to break down a little bit. And so I choose to believe that others, there are other minds which I'm interacting with. Like right now, even though I don't have proof that Nick sitting across the table from me is a wholly individualistic person with a functional mind and And not not just just a a, computer program or an automaton or something, um, that I say that even though I don't have proof, because I need this to be true for functional purposes, I accept that. Do you have one, Nick, which is a little bit more accessible to the average consumer. I'm just going to color in what you said there because I think it's a very good way to start. Um, uh, So there's something called borderline personality disorder that a a friend of mine, their mother has this and basically what that uh, creates in them is 
the solipsistic belief that they are the only real thing and everyone else is just a husk. They're just a shell of a person. And so they operate their life uh, in that way. And it's known as a disorder because it causes extremely deleterious effects on them and how they live their life. So that would be uh, a belief born out of actual brain chemistry that... Uh, unlike other beliefs. Unlike, well, yes. <laughs> uh, sure, I see, you, make a, you make a fair point cornering the naturalist. And, uh, um, but just to sort of harken back to a, an old uh, episode of Catholic Stuff You Should Know, which is a podcast that I used to listen to, which I would describe our uh, podcast as probably the antithesis of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. They uh, had an episode on the Cartesian Demiurge. And even though we're not priests and we're not drinking scotch or perhaps whiskey, I can't remember what it is. They did have uh, very good points um, in calling it the the rape and pillage of Western civilization, Western thought. And basically they said this because uh, when Cogito Ergo Sum, when, when Descartes said, I think, therefore I am, he basically uh, inspired solipsism, solipsism in a lot of people, even though they didn't necessarily, that's not what he intended, um, which is the, you know, the idea of the matrix, that I am the only one that exists and that's the only thing that I can know to be true. But uh, that's just sort of coloring in what you said a little bit. I think um, another thing that we've talked about here on Blacklist Remarks is determinism. And that's something that you and I both hold to be true, but we both reject in everyday life as a functional belief, unlike the belief in gravity or the belief in stop signs uh, while, while we're driving, because uh, it's not functional to our continued uh, happy existence and self-actualization. Um, so to those listeners that listen to the episode on determinism, um, Basically, just that there is uh, no such thing as ultimate free will or libertarian free will. Um, All right, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah, sure. So I think that we, as I've been sitting here listening to you, I think that there are two examples which come to my mind, which might take everything which we're saying and bring it down into like normal English. Okay. And (laughs) I was having a hard time thinking about it. So like one of them is I know a particular person in my life who is very much like the government is a secret entity and the world's going to end and we need to collect guns and food and build a bunker and right. very much of this, like, every the world will collapse, the sky is falling individual. Yes. And so this person sat down with me and tried to, like, convince me that I need to be, you know, very concerned about the future and be hoarding gold and the rest Go of it. Go buy an AR-15 right now. Uh, yes, or multiple AR-15s. Multiple. Right. Um, and figure out how to make the ammunition yourself. So yeah. he has this, like, very... Uh, what's the term for these people? Preppers. He's very much yes, a, a doomsday prepper. Yes, a doomsday prepper. And so he like sat me down. And he presented me with all this like evidence and all these things, evidence in quotation marks. And I knew that I wasn't going to convince him that his evidence was poor because he had emotionally bought into it at this right. point, and it wasn't about logic. And I said, just to end the conversation, I see where you're coming from, and I see what has led you to this belief. Well, you're evidence may be in question your reasoning assuming this evidence is correct is not and while i see where this could lead you i choose to outright reject this this conclusion because it's not conducive to the way that i'm living my life and if the sky falls and the government collapses then i will end up a dead corpse being eaten by the crows sure. on the side of the road but until that happens i'll be living a, a better life so even though that might be the truth i choose to reject it yeah. the other which nick i feel like i should be getting a star for reason to make a pop culture reference is oh boy. which is okay side note i was reading an overview of uh, 
a Buddhist philosophy course, and mm-hmm. it's a three-year training program. And I was reading their um, their required reading materials, and they included all three uh, episodes of The Matrix in this. Wow! And it's taught it's a taught at a Buddhist temple in New York. That's fantastic. I was I was quite happy. Yeah. And I snickered a bit, and then felt a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> but so they. There, there's this scene, and I, I think I've seen it once, so I won't relate it well, where uh, there's all of the the uh, p- the members of the Dauntless, is that the name of the ship that's or something? There's I, all the members of the I've crew. I've seen the first Matrix, okay. and that was about 10 years ago. Okay, I feel like I'm pretty much in the same boat you are. Uh, so there's there's a ship, and on the ship there's a bunch of crew, and on the crew they all are have banded together to say, like, the Matrix is a bad thing and needs to end. We need to yeah. bring people out of the Matrix. However, one of the crew members said, no, what's the big problem with the Matrix? And he chooses to betray the rest of the crew and be re-put into the Matrix and say, like, this life outside of the Matrix sucks. Right. I don't like this. Put me back into the Matrix and make me happy. Give me money. Give me wealth. Give me women. I want to be living in the Matrix. And I think that scenario of, like, Life outside the Matrix sucks. Put me back into the Matrix, and I'll do whatever it takes to put me back into the Matrix is actually the most accessible version of yes. what we're talking about today. Not only is it the most accessible, but I think it's also the most relevant and um, what I was hoping to sort of get at today, which is sort of a value judgment, um, and then we can eventually slide into whether that value judgment has any foundation. But mm-hmm. um, which do you value more? Is it uh, the utmost stripped apart plain and simple interpretation of reality with no frills no superstition nothing whatsoever or do you would you rather have uh, a not complete understanding of reality and live a potentially more enjoyable life and i think or can you find a way for both to coexist right and that's sort of where you and i have been falling where we have been living, quote-unquote, outside of the matrix. We're realizing that this life sucks, and we're trying to figure out, is there uh, a an ethical or a an acceptable way to spend some time in the matrix or live in the matrix being aware that it's an illusion and still live in an okay lifestyle? And that's something that I think um, probably you and I have run into where we're still figuring it out. So at this point, anything that we say beyond introducing what we're talking about is is pure speculation and should not be taken with any <laughs> amount of prescription. This is this is com- complete uh, life experience from an eighteen and a twenty two year old. So good disclaimer. Yeah, that's we're legally the, covered the, now. The lawyers are nodding sure. behind the glass, saying that's all right. Something you said a, a minute ago. Spark my interest. So you're talking about the doomsday prepper individual who you said, you know, I choose to reject this depiction of reality. And for you, it was because of a, of a lack of evidence. And then you said, but, you know, if this turns out to be true, obviously it won't matter because I'll, I'll be dead anyway. Or the, the end of that belief will be made clear. Mm-hmm. And something, because I always have to bring this back to religion, but... Uh, Good ex-Catholic you. <laughs> Good ex-Catholic me. Um, something I, I tell people, which this Boolean way of thinking might be um, unjustified, but 
so in the in the Christian and the Catholic belief, the rapture is an inevitable part of the belief system. That is that uh, Jesus Christ will return to Earth at some point in time, physically in His divine body. He will make an appearance. On okay. Earth. Well. Okay. Hold on. Time out. As time out. Ex Protestant, I will now comment on that to yes. say that some Protestants believe in a literal interpretation, right? But a growing amount of Protestants don't think like the clouds will part, the doves will descend, right. and here on a harp will come Jesus. Interestingly enough, Catholicism still holds the literal interpretation to be true. Yeah. So just to be fair, yes, that the second coming is a physical and not a metaphorical interpretation of when Jesus says that he will come back to the Earth literalist again. interpretation. Yes, exactly. Which I found it to be interesting. But some sometimes what I'll tell people is after they ask me, you know, why don't you believe in in Jesus or in the Gospels or whatever mm-hmm. else is, every morning that I wake up and Christ has not returned is another morning that I am correct and you are incorrect. And even though eventually you might be correct, until that day, technically speaking, I'm still being right. And I am choosing to take today as the day that Jesus has yet to return to be a day that I can honestly and with evidence reject, well, perhaps the lack of evidence, reject a belief in Christianity. Yeah, I think that's poor reasoning. Why is that? So uh, you and I had a conversation a little while back regarding a package which you were expecting to receive. And the package had not arrived yet. Correct. But the truth of the reality is the package would one day arrive. So if every morning you woke up and you said to yourself, the package has not arrived today, it's likely the package will never arrive, and I justify sure. that based on the package not arriving yet. Sure. Then when the package shows up, you're like, damn, I was wrong, the package showed up. And I see, like, I understand where you're coming from, but at mm-hmm. the same time, when you wake up in the morning, the truth of the matter is not, the, the commentary that the package has not showed up yet is not evidence for the truth or lack of truth of the matter sort of so the difference between when i ordered that package and it had not arrived yet versus the idea of the rapture the literalist interpretation of the rapture is that nobody's really sure who ordered that package of jesus uh it's it's kind of like everyone's talking about the 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 shipping number but nobody's actually checked ups.com and people are just sort of bringing this all together and whatnot so uh because there there's there's really no uh tracking number that we can type into ups.com uh the evidence for the claim itself is being matched by the uh sort of in the same way that every time i drop this marker it hits the table the idea that one day i'm going to drop the marker and it's going to hit the ceiling is uh constantly lessened my, my belief that it's going to float upward is constantly lessened every time I test that belief so in the same way of the rapture every day that I test that belief and it proves proves to be false is a day that I choose to reject the idea of the literalist interpretation of the rapture I feel like that might be too much of a segue so I want to what what I'm trying fair, to fair. say with that is life left or okay back on track here <laughs> What I'm trying to say with this example is in the same way of the doomsday prepper, in the same way of the rapture, in the same way of determinism, there is a, uh, maybe not in the same way of determinism, there is a possibility that said proposition is true. And based on a particular amount of evidence or lack thereof, we have chosen to reject this belief and we don't lie awake at night squirming as to whether or not 
other people are robots or if Jesus is going to come knocking on my bedroom door. Oh, I lie awake squirming at night. Oh, you do? For things like that. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, not specifically the Jesus one, but other people being robots has kept happen more. Really? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Well, see, I'm laying in my hammock, and this thought comes into my head, and I really don't know what to deal with it, so I think that if I squirm, the idea ah. will figure itself out. So I squirm around in my hammock, starting at the shoulders. Does it Does it work? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, so I was... This, uh, this topic, I think, is one which um, I have very recently had a conversation about, uh, just even less than 24 hours ago with somebody I respect, and we were talking about... The consideration of life and how some people are just areas in their life which they don't either they don't know that they should be considering and really questioning or that they do know and they're afraid of or that they have considered and felt that they've come to a reasonable conclusion on and then just don't reconsider those and then having the effects on reconsidering basic foundational beliefs and how that is constantly disrupting how you function and i say that while there are certainly times that I will just, like, a thought will pop into my head, like, Nick really isn't a person. I go, thank you for coming up, thought. He is. Go away. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just, like, smack the I yeah. don't care label on it. Right, right. There are other times, specifically na- late at night, where this thought will come up. I'm like, okay, so typically I would just smack the, like, nope, I, I understand yeah. why, but I choose to reject that. But there are all other times where I'm like, well, let's take a walk down this street and kind of see what happens and see if there's, you know, any new houses or if that burned out trash can has stopped burning it. Yeah. And I, so I think that there, yeah, there are certainly are times where I consider those things. I think what I'd like to do for our listeners now is, is have you and I paint the picture of what it looks like where we're at, because I think very few people have, uh, I, I want to say this in a, in a very qualified way. I don't want to say like we have reached enlightenment in any way, shape or form. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, Oh, that, I'm levitating right now. Oh, Spencer's levitating. Yeah. You can't tell. Yeah. Nick hasn't reached enlightenment yet. But what I want to do is describe uh, the sort of unique position we have found ourselves in where the uh, certain uh, stew of beliefs has coalesced into this just shit. <laughs> That's actually a good term. I was thinking about all of the nouns which we could use. Yeah, and it's, That's it's, probably the best it's kind of just shit. And so uh, I'll start, but then I definitely want you to help me paint this picture. All right, so, we have 10 minutes, so this is a speed painting exercise. That's, that's completely fine. I think it's. I think we're going to have to revisit this anyway, but I'd like to sort of, this to be maybe a foundational episode, and then we'll revisit it when you and I have actually had time <laughs> to figure out. If this is a foundational episode with the amount of mess and the lack of actual constructive yeah. content we've said, I fear for the rest of the building. I do too. I think that this is just going to leave our listeners disgruntled and nihilistic, but I, I ask them to listen to what we have to say, slap the I don't care label on it, and wait till around 11 p.m. to start squirming. Yeah. So I think it probably started for you and I relatively around the acknowledgement of determinism's truth. No, that's not where it started for me. That's so not where it started for you? You, start, you tell your story, I'll tell my story. I, I think for me it was probably... Um, Darwinism, naturalism, and determinism all, when I acknowledge the truth of these, Mm -hmm. it started to paint the picture that I am not the author of the world around me, nor am I the author of the world inside of me. And there is no author of the world around me, and there is no author of the world inside of me. And that was probably the first difficult part. 
And I think when you sort of acknowledge these three things, the idea of existential nihilism is on the table and you see it there and you acknowledge it. Okay, if that's the case, then value isn't really as uh, a found uh, a founded idea and the universe itself in human life, therefore it doesn't exactly have any intrinsic meaning. And you sort of just look at this and you're like, okay, cool, that makes sense logically, that flows, whatever. And people ask you and you sort of have this like depressive, angsty teenager way to answer them like yeah life is meaningless but you know whatever and then they'll be like well how do you live like that and you kind of just go your separate ways or whatever because that's happened multiple times and then you start to actually let nihilism marinate with your being and you understand that truly anything you consider to have meaning whether it's relationships or the universe or the reason why you brush your teeth every morning is basically unmotivated the only reason it's motivated is there is no motivation um it's it's extremely superficial and you start to start to see the the vapid social constructs that build up everything that you do or that other people do and i think the the biggest result of that is hopelessness um i think so many people because as a society we live in the future we live in the idea of Oh, tomorrow, if I achieve this, I'll be okay. Or once this is better, I'll be happy. And when you realize that like none of these things really matter or will make you happy or fulfilled, all of that hope is gone. And so you sort of just, the roller coaster slows to a stop. That's that's probably as far as I could paint in five minutes. What about you? I was, so I had a very hard time both listening to you and trying to prepare for what I was about to say. <laughs> so I, I you got about... A, paragraph in and I said no I'm actually going to listen to Nick here uh-huh, and we'll uh-huh. figure out what I'm going to say in a minute yeah so it. we're just I'm just confabulating now so I think for me this is a very long story but I think back in 2009 when Simon Sinek came out with his video start with why he in this video he proposed that the first question we need to be asking is why and mm-hmm. I applied that in so many areas of my life uh-huh. and so often I would like come to the end of why <laughs> and, and end up in this like oh, there actually isn't a super good reason. Right. And even if there was a good reason, I can't know. So these two questions of questioning why all of the way down the rabbit hole and getting to the end of the rabbit hole and going actually even at the very foundation, you can't know for sure. Right. Really just took everything which I had constructed in my social belief and like pulled it apart and just shook everything. And I think that that essential, you know, force of psychology has really continued and it's shifted and it's grown and it's changed color and texture over the years. But I think that where I stand today is, an, is a, a, a bigger version of that. Like the little monster has grown up. Yeah. And it's the way it expresses itself now is like when I look at what is life around me and I really go like, why? But why is that? And I get down to the root of so many different things. Yeah. Like, when, like the actual root, I feel like like the image I have in my head is like having a gopher field, like being out in the desert mm-hmm. and like rocking to these gopher fields and seeing that most people don't notice the gopher holes, but actually most of life is gopher holes. Yeah. And you can either like jump down the gopher level, like one story or two stories or 10 stories. And yep. everybody makes up however many stories there are. But when you get like to the bottom of the gopher hole, I feel like my head just sticks out and I'm not looking at like bedrock, whether my head sticks out into like an empty universe and saying right. like, Oh, there is nothing down here. The universe is really a turtle on top of a turtle on top of a turtle on top of a turtle. And having to go live this life 
in the gopher hole or like fall out into the universe of, of nothing else um, and trying to figure out like, how do I split my time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, how, how much time do I spend like floating yeah. in the universe of nothing and having to deal with that? And how much time do I spend, you know, wandering around the gopher holes? Yeah. I think editor's note for, for the revisiting of this episode, I see a lot of potential for discussion in this. I think what you said about allocation of time is a really good thing. I think uh, discussion of where do you go from here after you, assuming that by the time we revisit this I want to listen episode, to that episode, yeah, by the way. Yeah, where do we go from here? So yeah. if we'll go into the future, listen to the episode, uh, and then come back and actually record it, because maybe we'll have some good ideas from our future self. Idea. And listeners, if you have a rec- if you have been here before, yeah. if your head is stuck out the far side of the gopher hole complex right. into the universe, like it'd be interesting to hear about your experience yeah. and what principles are you using to balance out your time, balance out your energy, yeah. balance out the state of being and have you found a way like my biggest question is is there a way for these things to coexist at the same time right. can i both be in the universe and the gopher holes at the same time yeah and and it's funny because i can hear my dad's voice in my head when i think about these things because you know he's a father he has to take care of his family mm-hmm. and i think what he would say and i don't know because he hasn't said it would be that at this point in my life as a father, I have a job, I have kids, I have a wife, I have a house, I need to put food on the table and I need to provide for them. Mm-hmm. All of these things are I can empirically verify to you. I can point to my kids and I can say, look, here they are. I'm going to die for them if I have to. Mm-hmm. And these are the only certitudes that I need in my life. Everything else, sure, we can squabble about over a beer on the weekends, but this is what I need to focus my attention on. So I think you and I are in a unique position where even though we are uh, do have responsibilities, we don't really have responsibilities to other people in the same way that a parent does. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of our endeavors are self-actualizing, are just things that we hope to achieve in this world. And that sort of puts us in a unique position. And I'm not saying that my dad is right and we're wrong, or we're right and he's wrong. It's just that we are afforded a unique opportunity to sort of explore these topics in a way that most people can't as much as most people don't. Um, And I think something that I sort of want to leave the audience with, because we do have to jet here pretty soon, is a thought from Christopher Lee where he said that we, we didn't choose to be here on this planet, nor did we choose anything about this planet or us. So the most we can really do is just accept that and continue to move through it. And I think the alternative of non-existence, uh, however baseless our value judgments are, can often be rejected. I really want to ask why. (laughs) And I really want to look at the clock and say we're running out of time yeah. and that if I ask why and you're able to answer it in less than the two minutes we have left, I am not. we will turn that into a SoundCloud element and blast it to the world. Yeah, I am not whatsoever and I think that this is definitely warranting episode two of, uh, how, how would we call this? Perhaps foundational beliefs? The shit that is life? 
oh, that's totally going to be the title. <laughs> the shit that is life. Maybe that's what we need to do is make our titles more clickbaity. Maybe we'll get more than seven <laughs> listeners. Have we gotten seven listeners before? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, we did. I think oh, the, wow. I think the highest was 29. We got 20. Boy, what kind of drunks were we attracting? I don't know. That's, I don't know. Wow. Well, thank you so much for listening to this haphazard episode of Blacklisted Remarks. Tune in next time when we attempt to discuss whatever the hell we're going to try and discuss. <laughs> I don't even know how to put it into words, to be either. honest with you. I'm Nick Stumphauser. I'm an apologetic Spencer Field. And this has been Blacklisted Remarks. See you next time.